0: Welcome! Welcome, lovely listeners, to this, yet another episode of the Soccer Capital Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Turner, and with me again, as always, is Producer Mason. How's things going for you, Producer Mason?
1: Oh, just dandy. Uh, Dandy?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we rename you uh, Producer Jim Dandy, then. (laughs) Mason Dandy. I don't know about Uh, that Mason Dandy. We got it. We got it. Well, we're here today to talk a little, uh, you know soccer really uh, yeah get out uh, no way yeah we have the uh, gold cup u.s men's national team always something excited to, to get it well excited about and uh, we actually have again some uh, st louis city news st louis city's made some hires especially in the academy we'll be going over some of those and a quick note or two on happenings in mls because well that's the reason why we're here Because St. Louis City is going to be an MLS. But uh, first off, we're going to start up with the Gold Cup. We've got a couple of uh, uh, games to preview here. First up was U.S. versus Martinique in the second game of the group stage. We didn't really have a show after this one. It was fun. Wasn't a lot to be learned. U.S. won 6-1. They needed a 6-goal beating of Martinique to catch Canada in the goal difference for the top of the group stage after two games. They got five.
1: Which tied us with them, I believe.
0: No, it left us one behind. We had to win. Ah. Draw was out of the option in the Canada game. And we'll get to the Canada game.
1: Correct. That's right.
0: A couple of uh, interesting things. Daryl D. K., who everybody wanted to see start, picked on the little boys and uh, scored two. Uh, no, three. Uh, two goals. If you didn't watch the game, which I'm assuming you did, he had a, uh, two goals. And then he had one that was an own goal. Against the uh, Martinique player. Then CONCACAF turned it into a goal for him. And then CONCACAF turned around and turned it into a not a goal for him. So he only ended up with a brace, not a hat trick. Another interesting thing is the, uh, <laughs> this is so CONCACAF. The referee <laughs> called the first half at about 44 minutes instead of 45. Eh, hey, what's 60 seconds? Eh? Hey. Yeah, what do you think?
1: Not even enough time to see yeah. if there was stoppage, let alone play any of it.
0: Yeah, DK got the start over Jossie uh as the striker role. Zardes then came in got his own goal, so he's not giving up the fight for that position very early. And uh way it turned out, didn't matter. Because we'll go to the real game, Game 3 against Canada. The first real quality opponent, I would say. Uh, Haiti was a much better opponent than Martinique, though Haiti only won the uh, third game of the group stage 2-1 over Martinique, in which a player from Martinique, and I didn't mark down his name, scored the 1,000th goal in Gold Cup history in that game. Uh, Funny enough, the 900th goal in Gold Cup history was scored by Christian Pulisic. Go figure. But of course he did. But uh, that does not matter much. Uh, Because uh, we got the U.S. versus Canada. U.S. needed a win to win the group. One, it's a nice thing for a group that young group just cobbled together for this tournament to win the group. Also, it meant, presumably, that uh, by winning the group and Mexico winning their group, the U.S. wouldn't meet Mexico until the finals. That's what everybody in the U.S. wants. Everybody in Mexico wants. Everybody CONCACAF wants. Not necessarily what Canada and Costa Rica and El Salvador want. But that's neither here nor there. Well, it was a great start for the U.S. in this game as 20 seconds in, uh, Kellen Acosta sent a ball out off out the outside of his foot after fighting through a challenge. Out to Sebastian Legette, takes the ball off the bounce, sends it on the uh, low ball across the box and Shaq Moore from the wing comes in and scores his first uh, international goal. U.S. is up 1-0. 20 seconds into the game, I remember writing on Twitter, uh, they scored too soon, but I'll take it. <laughs> uh, funny how things play out. But uh, after that, uh, the U.S. still held a lot of possession. They're pushing. They're scary. They're very goal dangerous. Just couldn't get the ball into the box. They're hoarding possession. Uh, can't, they came out with two strikers, with uh, Daryl Dickey and Gyasi Zardes starting up front in a strange formation for the U.S., But it also brought James Sands in to play either as a third center back or the back of a midfield diamond, depending on how you want to look at it. I'm not a big formation guy. In modern football, formations are always fluid. The players are taught to play the old Dutch way, total football. You move in and out with what's needed. So, but they get that early goal, they get the dominance early, and then Walker Zimmerman goes down and challenges, was it Buchanan?
1: I don't remember, but
0: probably Richie, Richie Larea (laughs) Mm. Zimmerman comes, is defending Richie Larea down the right-hand side. They come into the box. Zimmerman loses his footing, takes out uh, Larea. They're both down. Zimmerman has to come off hurt, not deep in the center back position for the U S team. this roster is not very deep. Uh, Mm. Big penalty shout, because he brought down Larea in the box, but the replay showed that Larea actually is knocked him over with the arm, got him off balance, so he clattered into him. No penalty. It was just one of them racing deals, like NASCAR says. Uh, But the big deal is Zimmerman's out already, just 15 minutes into the game. Unproven Donovan Pines of the New England Revolution comes in to take his place. Unproven. We'll see what's going on. I, I don't even know much of about him in MLS other than he's a prospect. But he's on the team mostly to learn. Now he's thrown into this game. So this goes on. U.S. is on the front foot for about 30 minutes. 22 minutes in, one of the first, uh, one of the two strikers for Canada, Akinola, uh, gets hurt. James Sands just clattered him on a defensive tackle. And uh, he hurts his knee. He's out of the game. Jonathan Osorio of Toronto comes in. And the big thing about this is, early in the game, U.S. is on the front foot. Their press, midfield press, was really working. Because they were picking the balls off of Akinola and Lucas Cavallini, the two strikers. Taking them off of them so that they couldn't get out of the U.S. half. Bringing in Osorio was a big deal. I thought at the time, because Osorio can handle the ball much better than those strikers. And yeah, that would prove to be the point. Uh, After a hydration break, Canada comes out and they're in a much more formidable formation. They're much more into the game. U.S. was still kind of dangerous, but Canada really started bossing the game at this time. So Canada's bossing the game. And they go into the half U.S still has some possession they're still in the game they're having chances, albeit uh, with this new formation and a young team they're not really hooking up
1: yeah going into the half it seems more just like a little momentum swing as they go- as they're Peter- as they're coming down rather than what we're going into what it turned into um, which is Canada just just beat us up. <laughs> yeah, coming
0: out of the box in the second half, uh, their coach, uh, Herbman, uh, apparently had some nice tactical tweaks or whatever. Uh, they just started pinning the U.S. back, really pushing forward. All the talent on Canada's roster is really on the offensive end. And uh, they used their wing wingback, uh, Tejan Buchanan, a great young talent at New England Revolution. He was terrorizing the U.S. Up and down the sides, They've got uh, Kyle Laren and Lucas Cavallini, two talented forwards up front that they could play in. So they're really bossing possession, but they're really not getting a lot of really great chances.
1: No, um, this is a kind of a double-edged sword, but we really saw a great showing from the U.S. defense in this second half, primarily because we couldn't get out of our defensive third. Um, but uh, Vines and Robinson in particular, Sands as well. Really stepped up and just just stopped everything that came at him, pretty much.
0: Yeah, uh, Vines would, in particular struck me because he's not noted as being a great defensive player. He was often in the box making really smart tackles, really sniffing out trouble, being where it was coming from. Robbins, a great one-on-one defender, generally regarded as the best in the MLS. His distribution in this tournament hasn't been that good, but his 1v1 Defending has been. And Sands was everywhere. He's the one that uh, got uh, Akinola out above the box. He's in the box, out of the box. That's why, formation wise, was he a third center back or was he really a deep holding midfielder in a 4 4 2 diamond? It's hard to say. He was just seems to be everywhere at this time. But Canada is really dominating. US is getting pushed back deeper and deeper. And when that happens, usually bad things happen. And part of the problem was the U.S. midfield with Kellen Acosta, Sebastian Legette, uh, Jean Luc uh They could not get rid of the ball. They get it. They pass it out somewhere. A bad pass. They'd have a bad touch. It's pretty much it got to them. They got tackled off of it. They lost the ball immediately.
1: It hardly ever went past the the midfield line, even um, uh, much less the much less the middle half or, or middle third rather.
0: Right, and this just kept going on and on and on, over and over. Uh, I myself thought Christian Roldan, with his experience and his experience playing defense, offense, just being that kind of role player, could help this team. He didn't really help. They did bring on Matthew Hoppy, however. Uh, being a winger and more of a striker for his club, I thought, how is he going to help if we don't have the ball? What he was best at was... Once they got the ball in the midfield, they gave it to him. He dribbled it up into the other side. Often, nobody else is chasing him. The U.S. was really bunkered in. And Zardis and DK didn't seem to be involved. Legit and Acosta seemed slow in this game. Uh, but at least he got it out of the half. And, I mean, no one else could. Mm-hmm. It's this point of the game where I was wondering where Eric Williamson is. Um, he has a history of not being so good with possession of the ball, gives it away pretty easily. But he's also well noted for being able to get the ball in traffic and dribble out and take it upfield. That's what the U.S. needed. Uh, and then he could then use that dribble, either make a bad pass, get tackled off, but at least he's alleviating pressure. Mm-hmm. It just didn't happen.
1: Yeah, Hoppy kind of stepped up and played that role, but it you know nothing came of that either.
0: So as much as we were upset during the play of the game uh, about what was going on the second half with the defense. Canada still didn't have any great chances. The couple they had, Vines would snuff it out, Robinson would stop, Sands would break it up in the front, or Matt Turner was there at the back doing his shot-stopping thing. Not a lot of call for him to handle the ball at his feet. He did his job very well. Mm. So that pretty much plays on, uh, all the way up till the end of the game. There was five minutes of stop each time at the end. You figure Canada pushing forward with all their might to try to get the equalizer. Lucas Cavallini has a nice turn, gets a shot off pretty quick through traffic. But Matt Turner is there to stop it. That was in the 94th minute. The U.S. closes it out. Big result. Big one Nothing U.S. win. Goal in the 20th second. They did score too soon. Yeah. They seem to be prepared to go into shutdown mode. Way too early. Yeah. And uh, the change of ta- Alcanola getting hurt and bringing Osorio on so early really also seemed to kickstart Canada. So I don't know what the combination was. Maybe a little formation tweak. I'm not really that kind of nerd that goes into that as how it plays out. Maybe someone else has. Yeah. But somewhere along the line, they were able to break the U.S. press, hold on to the ball push forward. The U.S. is more defending than trying to get extended against this offense. So kind of what we played out kind of is what should be a little bit expected.
1: Yeah, you don't need to be super tactically minded or even understand why it happened just to look at the game that was played and be like, this is not a good game that the U.S. is
0: playing. But it's group stage. The U.S. won all three group stage games. Uh, disappointing a little bit against Haiti absolutely dominated the minnow of Martinique, who isn't even part of FIFA because they're just a Department of France. Yeah, butchered uh, them. Yeah, and then against Canada, got the, a goal up early, took it to them, then sat back, held out without a whole lot of problems, even though it looked ugly. Really, Canada, it looked worse than it actually was, to be honest, is my takeaway of this game. But a big result for this young team, cobbled together, Uh, A lot of these players never played together before. Uh, So they win the stage and they move on into the knockout rounds, which we'll be covering, of course. So big thing is, let's kind of break down what the players did in this game. Not all of them have been mentioned so far. I think we got almost all of them. The really good ones, the standout ones, was uh, James Sands of New York City. He, distribution-wise, early on... Defensive-wise, just knowing where to play, uh, of anyone in this team that may have won their way into a backup role on the upcoming World Cup qualifiers for the full team, it may be him. We've been looking for somebody to take that uh, defensive destroyer role away from uh, Tyler Adams. Sands isn't a destroyer, though he did destroy Akinola in this one, but... Um, <laughs> He still is solid defensively. He always has been. He's still kind of young. Uh, for New York City, he's been that guy. His distribution's getting better out of the back. He's worked his way into that. He looks to be the one that has stepped up into a role that's a vacuum on the team. Also, a good one was Miles Robinson. His 1v1 defending, his athleticism. Uh, when it comes to U.S. World Cup qualifying team, maybe he finds his way onto it. Maybe it's Walker Zimmerman. They're both athletic. Um, if they have to go to three in the back, I would rather see Zimmerman or Miles Robinson yeah. above St. Louis's own Tim Ream, simply because Ream has always been a little less slow. He knows what he's doing Is a veteran presence, but I believe his time has gone. As happens with a very young team, we're going to have mistakes. We're also going to see some other players get pushed out. Uh, another big winner was Sam Vines offensively. He didn't do that much in this game. He's done more in say the Haiti game when he got the goal. Uh, but in this one, he just seemed to be in dangerous areas in the box. He was there. Like he's the one that was sniffing out problems. Mm -hmm. I remember back to the uh, Switzerland and the Honduras game when the 18 from Europe of the U S national team, uh, kept getting beat on the break. It seemed like nobody could sense when there was danger. Vine seemed to sense the danger in this one, as did uh, Robinson and Sands. And Matt Turner, uh, he stood out. If those three didn't stop the play from going on, and often they did, Turner was there, did a shot-stopping thing, and uh, did his job very well.
1: Yeah, kind of unsurprising, but yeah, all the the kind of best players we saw were we're in the defensive end or the goalie. Um, the standouts to me were Robinson and Vines in particular. Robinson stopped more shots than Turner did. Um, Sands, was, Sands was really good, but he was good kind of everywhere in that area. Robinson and Vines were big net front presences, stopping pretty much anything that came their way. Either Vines sniffing it out, stopping it before it started, or Robinson after it started putting an end to it
0: yeah it's interesting in the formation that sands seemed to be more at the front of the box even though maybe center back maybe the number six in this formation is a six that's where he should be vines as a what was he uh he was a right back uh he was everywhere he was shutting it down he was sniffing it out and robinson doing the center back thing that a center back could do Zimmerman getting hurt and bringing in Donovan Pines was a big deal. Zimmerman would have really shut that down a lot as well as we go forward. Shaq Moore, in between good and meh. He had the goal, so that pushes him up. He's offensive oriented. Didn't see too much of him on the defensive end. He was part of the ones that were prolific with the ball when it hit midfield, couldn't get out of the back. But uh, I'd put him on the good side of, say, meh.
1: He did get the goal, after all.
0: Yeah. Med players, Sebastian Legette had his moment of glory uh, 20 seconds in when he had that fabulous cross. It was a bouncing ball that came to him, and then he put it uh, on the ground uh, across into the front of the net. Shaq Moore made his run, knocked it in the goal right in front. Uh, That was glorious. After that, I didn't see much of him. I've seen some commentators saying he was doing work here, making positions I didn't see where he really affected the game. Kellen Acosta as well thought he would do better. He was quite good against Haiti. He was kind of absent here. Uh, There seemed to be a few players that looked tired because they had played three games in a week. But Legette and Acosta had the second game off completely to rest. They just looked like they weren't up for the game. And the knock on Acosta throughout his career is he'd have really good games and then he'd disappear. Hopefully that's as he's grown up, he's getting out of that. But that's what I've seen here. Another one was uh, Gianluco Buzio. Now, a lot of rumors flying around that he's going to go to Venezia, Venice in uh, Serie A in Italy for a nice transfer fee for Sporting Kansas City. Perhaps he was a little uh, distracted. But uh, offensively, especially early on, he was very good, proactive passing, moving around. But then when things got tighter in the, uh, as Canada's pushing forward, when they're trying to get the ball out of the midfield into the other area, oftentimes what we've seen is he just needs to be a little stronger physically and uh, mentally on these challenges. He keeps losing 50-50 challenges. He gets tackled. He doesn't fight for the ball back. Uh
1: he was getting pushed
0: around a lot. Yeah. I noticed. He's the one that uh, I've got him at the middle area. Meh, too poor. So on that, poor players. Donovan Pines just seemed to be outclassed. But he was on in an emergency role, which he was brought on the roster in an emergency role when Zimmerman got hurt. Uh, he had a he had one play where the ball was rolling out of bounds, but very slowly. And he's like watching it and watching it like he can't decide what to do. He do, he seemed to be scared of taking the ball and moving it up.
1: Like like a third baseman waiting for a ball to roll foul.
0: Like, yeah, and it doesn't. I can't remember if it actually got stolen off of him. It didn't I, turn out to anything, but it was just ugly to watch.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, he did make a couple of nice defensive plays. He turned the ball over. Um, first showing, young man, probably the last person on the roster yeah that's kind of the showing. Hope he doesn't have to keep playing going forward if he does, we're going to need some work uh giving him support in the back so that could be a three in the back change something of that nature uh Zardes and daryl dK Giassi Zardis and d k the two up front. well, they didn't have a lot to do for the last sixty minutes, but during the first thirty minutes when the u s was on the on the offensive being really gold dangerous. They didn't show a lot. Uh, DK actually had a problem with his shoulder late in the game when he got smacked in the face. Perhaps made a little uh, overplay on falling down and then landed on his shoulder and hurt his shoulder. It did look like the shoulder really hurt. Didn't mention the face in the postgame. So we'll see how that goes. Zardes, they just didn't connect. It just wasn't there. Um, the substitutes, we mentioned Matthew Hoppe, he came on.
1: He was about the only shot in the arm that the U.S. had in the the last 60 minutes or so.
0: Yeah, and, and he came on, to a, I don't remember what minute, it was like 64th, 65th, somewhere around there. Uh, but his getting the ball out of the box, eventually he'd dribble down, nobody's with him, he'd lose the ball. But at least he's the only one that got the ball past the halfway line in anything that was frightening and giving the defense a break in that second half. I thought Christian rolled on. The game was crying out for him to come on. Veteran presence, get a hold of the ball. Mm.
1: He was surprisingly middling.
0: Middling, yeah. He did some good things, made some bad passes, missed some opportunities. Reggie Cannon did come in for Shaq Moore, uh, presumably, at least that's the... uh, amongst the podcasting incognoscenti to shore up the defense for Donovan uh, Donovan Pines. Uh, I don't know. Didn't notice him. Didn't notice his defense any better or worse than Shaq Moore's. I've got not much to say about him. Jackson Ewell came on also around that same time, perhaps to shore up in the defense because he's not been very good in the open open play. But yeah. in this, he actually made a couple of good defensive stops. He was there. Uh, don't know if he was just borderline or he's actually good. I'll give him an uptick because I'm an optimistic player on this. But, again, U.S. won. They got the result. That is... They're 3-0 in this tournament, and it's a big win for a young team, uh, the B team of the U.S. All right, we move on
1: that's ultimately all that matters. Um, A lot of people are talking about how these players are, they're jockeying for position on the world cup qualifying roster. And I'm sure that that is in the, in their heads, but ultimately I imagine that they're there to win the gold cup. They're there to do the best that they can in the tournament they're playing in. So yeah, this was not a good showing for a lot of those players in regards to to getting a place on that world cup qualifier roster. But in terms of just getting the result and moving on into the tournament they're playing, you can't... A W is a W. What can you say? It was yeah. an ugly W, but it's a W.
0: Yeah, it's just get the result in tournament play. So we come to the time where I asked Mason, who, Mason, was your man of the match in this game?
1: Well, I have two men of the match, I think. And it's... It's Vines and Robinson. Um... I I I know like I know Sands was really dangerous out there, um, kind of prowling around. But it was the two of them that I every time something dangerous would come in, it was I'd either hear and Robinson with the header with the defensive header or and Vines takes it away. Like it was it was their names every time. Yeah. They stopped more shots than Turner did. It it was them.
0: There you are going against the cognoscenti that said it was James Sands. I'll throw you a curveball. To me, the man of the match was Tejan Buchanan of Canada, just terrorizing the U.S. down the flank from the 30th minute on, even at the start. He was a terror against Martinique in their first game when they scored. He just terrorized the U.S. in this one, but it was down the flank. The U.S. let him do it, blocked it off in the middle.
1: It really did seem like half of the runs that Canada got when, whenever we would get it out into, into the, the neutral third. It would be picked up by Buchanan and he'd run it in.
0: Yep. So the U.S. win. Uh, with the win they hope to escape Mexico in their side of the bracket. All Mexico had to do was win against El Salvador. Thanks to their draw against Trinidad and Tobago, a draw would not put Mexico through as the winner of the group. I watched this game. Uh, Mexico did win, 1-0. El Salvador had them scrambling like crazy at the end of the game. Who's the breakout star of this tournament? So far, it's El Salvador as a team. Uh, they got six points out of the group, uh, seven points to Mexico, but boy, they really had Mexico scrambling at the end of the game. That was a pretty close run. Mexico almost did not win their group in the US would have been on the same side. So for the Gold Cup, still games going on in the uh, some of the other groups you watch as you may. Uh the next US game is on Sunday. It's going to be the winner of the Jamaica Costa Rica game. Yeah, we'll we, find out shortly.
1: Yeah, as of recording that game starts in about 2 hours. Yeah. So we don't have uh we don't know who we will be playing uh in the next round, but you will when you listen to this. Yeah,
0: we're recording late on Tuesday. So that wraps up our coverage of the Gold Cup. So far, so good. Well, it's not so good, but so far, good. And uh, next thing we got to talk about, we actually have some St. Louis City news. It's early, but they're starting to trickle in, and we're happy to have it. St. Louis City did hire some coaches for the Academy, and uh, some of them are, well, at least they're starting the Academy. Hopefully they're good. Time will tell. You got the rundown for us, Mason.
1: I do. I've pretty much got a summary of the press release that uh, that St. Louis City SC put out with these hires. We've got six names, I think, five, six names. Uh, six. Quite a few. Pretty much the whole academy here. Um, so we have the academy head coach Andreas Schumacher uh he has 10 years uh Bundesliga experience was last the assistant coach at VfB Stuttgart in the ah, Bundesliga Stuttgart
0: that's a nice uh nice little gig there uh Lutz bringing in some uh, countrymen
1: yes <laughs> absolutely um and then we've got three academy assistant coaches uh Luis Swisher, 16 years uh playing experience in Europe and uh what did i say Guatemala Guatemala yes. Um he was lastly head coach at STLFC's um uh, under 19 uh academy.
0: Okay. Keeping it in-house.
1: Yeah, a lot of these players have played in or around St. Louis. Um either have played against St. Louis FC, played in St. Louis in some kind of role or coached here or something like that.
0: Nice PR, we'll see if it actually is effective on the field.
1: We'll see, but I mean, at least as far as I could tell, a lot of these players have or coaches rather. They have they have Pretty solid credentials. Uh, next up for the assistant coaches, we have David Critchley, uh, played in the England and in the U.S. He was last the technical director at Lou Fuse Athletic. So another another St. Louis guy.
0: And you can't beat that playing in the England.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Come on, England! <laughs> All right. This name I'm probably going to butcher. Elvir Kvejic. uh He is uh, Bosnian-born, but grew up playing in St. Louis. Um, I think played for Lindenwood University when they won their only title. Um, And then played for, I think, the St. Louis Strikers, other clubs like that. Um, He was brought on as a sporting consultant with St. Louis City SC and then moved over to Academy Assistant Coach. And then we have Tim Kelly, Academy Goalkeeper Coach. He's a name. Yeah.
0: Uh previously played for the Casey Wiz. So Kansas City Wiz. Not the Wizards. No, the Wiz. The Wiz. Boy, sporting Kansas City sounds like such a better branding, doesn't it?
1: (laughs) It really does. (laughs) Yeah, but don't tell that to any old heads. Oh, I think they still like sporting Kansas City better. (laughs) Mm, The one old head I know, not so much. Oh, they just like calling their
0: team the Wiz.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh but Tim Kelly, he was previously a goalie coach at uh, at SLU and at STLFC. So more homegrown talent. And then last, we have Charles Rentkin, Academy Specialist Coach. Um, last played with the Portland, or I don't know if last played, but has previously played with the Portland Timbers and was also brought on as sporting consultant for St. Louis City SC before being moved over to the Academy.
0: Academy Specialist Coach, Um I don't know exactly what that means. I'm wondering if that means set pieces and things like that, or it just giving roles within the academy for specific teams. you have any information on that, Mason?
1: Um, not a ton. Um, This is just quoting from the press release. Quote, as an academy specialist coach, Charles Renkin will provide individual and group training for players, improving their technique and positional awareness.
0: Oh, okay. So he's sort of a rover coach. Mm-hmm okay
1: um notably absent from this is uh, is the news that we had that was broke by the athletic uh hackworth is not present in these signings however this is um from speculation that I've seen this is still kind of in line we were expecting hackworth to come on more as academy director uh based on the up uh, and his president pre- previous experience and on the qualification expected of the role that were posted online so we still don't have any news on that but we haven't heard anything to the
0: contrary either and that was a report done by some of the best mls writers that were out there with the athletic i still believe that's the case but of course any reports could be true but once in negotiations i mean he's a wanted man with a good track record uh if he doesn't get exactly what he wants, maybe he, maybe that's been held up. But yeah. yes, with his talent, his CV, it sort of shows that he's going to be somewhere around it, uh, mm-hmm. a academy director level, mm-hmm. working with the head coach and the academy, make sure they're online. And I would expect that where he to be. I certainly hope that uh, they don't hire a USL head coach as their head coach. We need better than that, is my opinion.
1: I would certainly hope not either. There are very capable coaches in USL, but not if you want to come out swinging.
0: Yeah. And I don't know a lot about uh, many of these people as coaches. Andre Schumacher is an academy head coach, being an assistant coach at Stuttgart. Uh, he brings brings some gravitas to the role. The academy's going to start up. We probably won't hear a lot about the assistant coaches' names after this press release, just in general. Uh, they don't don't tend to hear yeah. much about them Schumacher maybe a lot of times the Academy head coach is in an emergency the one that's brought up because especially if the Academy is tied in tightly with the uh, with the first team then they're brought up because they already know the system and I certainly hope because I think a lot of what's going to happen with city is going to be tied to the Academy from everything I heard and with MLS still having protected homegrown areas. St. Louis is one of the best in the country. I expect the St. Louis Academy to be top-notch and probably a big focus of the team because they can develop and sell on players. And we'll see how that goes. I've yeah. my thoughts. I'll hold them for later on as we get closer and find out more information. One thing that
1: stands out to me from, uh, from this roster of coaches they brought on for the Academy is how many of them have... Either come through or been involved in in other academies in the St. Louis area. Players coming through or coaching in St. Louis um, FC, um, either for their main club or the academy. Um, St. Louis Scott Gallagher, Lou Fuse, St. Yeah. Louis University. So these players have been in and around the St. Louis um, soccer scene, the academy scene. I don't know how much the St. Louis City Academy is going to want to hew to the way that things have been previously run in other academies in the city, in the area, yeah. but... Coaching's th- coaching. Yeah, and these are these are people who have experience with the way things have been done in the area, and also they have they have other experience as well. They can be flexible, so...
0: Yeah, we'll see how it goes.
1: It seems like a good group of people. If
0: they don't work out... Uh- They'll be replaced and we won't get a press conference, a uh, press release about it. Yeah. Well, we'll get a press release released on Friday afternoon after five, more than likely. Mm. That's the way that goes. And finally, to wrap up the show, quick note on what's happening at MLS. They're playing full schedules. Uh, the Seattle Sounders finally took a loss, the Minnesota Loons. Minnesota United uh, did beat them this past uh, weekend. And uh, probably because Seattle has almost, well, more than half of their starting lineup missing, thanks to the Gold Cup and injuries. Uh, the big news, though, came out of Atlanta. Remember Atlanta United? Broke no, in the league? Never heard of them. Just a few years ago. <laughs> yeah, they won MLS Cup. Really? Yeah, on the back with uh, Tata Martino. Remember him from that Mexico Nations League? Wrapping his arm around the referee. Yeah, that was the same Tata Martino that coached Atlanta United. Well, after the DeBoer debacle, uh, they hired Gabriel Heinze from Argentina, which you old-timers might remember from his playing in Europe for a lot of the major teams Is a real hothead, fiery, get-in-your-face, great player. Uh, kind of brought that to the team. Well, came out this week that he kicked their star, and one of the biggest MLS stars, Joseph Martinez, out of the team. He had to go train on his own. Uh, then they played a game. Atlanta lost. And then Atlanta United sent Gabriel Heinze to go away and coach on his own and brought Joseph Martinez in. Uh, I don't know what's going on with Atlanta United. This looks very poorly on Darren Eels and sporting director carlos bocanera who's been subject of a few insider stories about his personal style running this team something's gone very wrong in the front office in atlanta their talent base and the record's just plummeting they used to be the most exciting team to watch in mls now they may be the most boring team to watch in mls that's Uh,
1: surprising too because it seems like that's kind of come out of nowhere
0: yeah uh I can't remember his name, Valentino's the last name, been on the coaching staff, he's the interim coach, seems to be well-liked amongst the team. See if they get a little bump from this. Word is that Martinez as the leader came to Heinze saying that his methods uh, were too harsh, actually came up against some MLS regulations at moments. Uh, Heinze didn't thought he was a bad man and sent him out. These are Nothing I know and not reports. These are speculation. Uh, But we'll see going forward. But that was interesting out of MLS. And that's about all we have for this week. And I think that's quite enough. Don't you, Mason? I think that about wraps us up. Now, remember, you do us a great favor by going ahead and following us on your podcast provider by choice and go ahead and rate and review us. It really helps the podcast. And as a startup, as we head out, we could really use... Any help you can get, ratings really help, and we'd really appreciate that. But that's it for now, lovely listeners. Thanks for joining the Soccer Capital podcast yet again, and we will see you soon. Bye for now.